everyone. It's Tina with our latest podcast installment. Today, we're talking to our senior training specialist, Jeff Blaine. We're going to discuss rope and harness claims handling, what it is, what it isn't, how to learn it, and more. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Tina. It's my pleasure to be here. Absolutely. So without further ado, let's talk about rope and harness. Can you explain just the whole rope and harness concept itself and how it relates to claims handling? Uh, yeah, you know, rope and harness um, is a term that we throw around um, when it comes to the process of inspecting these higher, steeper uh, roofs. And most people have a little tendency not to want to get on just because it doesn't it makes it feel a little uncomfortable um you'll hear the term rope and harness you'll hear two-story steep um high and steep Mm -hmm. those are all interchangeable words but at the end of the day we're all talking about the exact same thing rope and harness and uh, using we use um uh, climbing equipment but we tweak it in a way to specialize the needs for our industry, and that's uh, insurance claims and inspecting roofs. Excellent. So rope and harness is basically the the mechanism to help you safely do these inspections. It's not a type of claim per se. Correct. Okay. So let's talk about some of the common misconceptions about rope and harness assignments. I know you and I have both been around for a while, and we've heard varying things from folks. So let's clear up some of the mysteries surrounding what is around a rope and harness assignment and what it does not entail. Yeah, so um, I like to kind of explain to people, you know, today's day and age, these homes are being built um, taller, steeper, a little bit more intricate, and they they can create some some different nuances that that people just aren't comfortable getting on. Yeah. Um, a lot of people think that uh, rope and harness is something that you have to do um, you, when you take an assignment that that's all you're going to get. And there's a few things that we definitely want to clear up on that. Um, just because you take a rope and harness assignment does not mean that that's all of the claims you're going to get. Um, Our clients nowadays are wanting our adjusters to perform as many of these inspections as possible without having to reassign claims around. And so you may get a rope and harness assignment or a claim here and there. Um, And a lot of people are always asking, well, what qualifies for a rope and harness um, when you're doing an inspection? And I always tell people there's really no criteria other than the fact of whatever makes you feel safe and comfortable to get on a roof is what you would use for your open harness. Anytime that you don't feel like uh, this roof is adequate for just walking around on, grab your open harness. It will give you a little extra safety factor when you're doing those inspections. At the end of the day, we always want people to, to be aware, you know, the number one thing is safety out there. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm glad you touched on that, that, um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a certain pitch or steepness. It's just a matter of do you feel safe getting on that roof, assisted or unassisted with equipment? Uh, I always tell people, you know, I always go to the extreme. You know, that, that house could be built a, a basement home and it could be a flat roof. Um, if you're not comfortable getting on it and wearing your rope and harness gives you that little extra safety factor, then throw it on. It's, uh, Absolutely. It only takes a few minutes and um, it's uh, definitely worth preventing any injuries absolutely it's better to be safe than sorry um and i i'm glad that you said that you know just because you go and you take a rope and harness assignment it doesn't mean you're going to be roping up on every claim 
Um, It's mostly to ensure continuity of claims handling from the carrier standpoint than anything else. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so obviously then the next question would be, how can adjusters learn how to properly use the climbing equipment? Um, There's lots of stuff out there, Tina, and a couple things I always want to make sure that people understand. Um, They always come to us telling us, well, there's this certification that so-and-so provides, and I can take this class with this person. And one of the biggest things I always want to tell people is that um, be careful where you're taking the class. Um, There is no industry, there's no industry standard or regulation on uh, certification for rope and harness. There's no such thing as a rope and harness certification for our industry. So be careful who you're going out there and taking your courses with. We offer a course through Everill, and it's not to uh, sell a course to people. We uh, uh, offer it to provide safety to our adjusters we we sure. have the claims we have the work we also want to make sure that you're doing it in a proper safe manner we do care about how our folks are out there and their safety so we do offer a course it's a two-part course it's an online portion of the course that goes over the equipment uh some knot tying and uh, getting you familiar with how all that stuff works together mm-hmm. uh, the second part of that is actually here in our facility and we have we, we're pretty proud of what we've got here. We've got a state-of-the-art climbing wall. It's an adjustable wall that we take from a, uh, a 8 to 10, 12 pitch, and we um, we can adjust it all the way vertical, but we don't get that wildly crazy in the course. We'll, <laughs> we'll take it up to a 16, 12 pitch, which most people um, are real, uh, real excited about. And <laughs> at the end of the day, you can see their their uh, confidence factor grows tremendously yeah. by the time they're done with this class. Yeah, I have to say um, the the climbing wall itself is quite impressive, so much so I actually had been encouraged to get on it. I've roped up and I've spent some time on it, and I am not a roof climber by any means, but um, <laughs> you guys did a great job of making me feel comfortable and secure showing me how to use the equipment. So if I can get up there and do it, I'm going to say pretty much anyone else out there can do it as well. So it, it really is a neat apparatus that we have for, for teaching and educational purposes. It really is. And, you know, the other nice thing about it is, is it's indoors, so we're climate controlled, so we can teach classes at any time of the year and yep. I don't have to worry about the weather. Yep, absolutely. That makes it a little bit easier on that angle. Um, I'll just do a quick plug for the training classes. If you're interested in the schedule, it's on our website behind the login. So feel free to check that out, folks, and see if there's some dates or times that would work for you. I know Jeff would love to have you come down there and he'll help you out. Absolutely. Like I said, my favorite class to teach, so I like to teach it as much as possible. All right. So what kind of equipment are folks using, and where can you actually uh, acquire it? So this is another tricky thing that we always want to make sure that our people are understanding. So we're using, um, like, rock climbing equipment, uh, people that are outside doing rock climbing. Mm -hmm. And when we send people out to purchase it, they'll go in there and tell the people at the rock climbing store what they're using it for, and they're like, well, you're in the wrong place. And that's (laughs) not true. Uh, We want to make sure that you're going in there. You're not telling people that you're using it for roof climbing because they will send you away and run you off to the local hardware store to buy your equipment. And that is (laughs) the last place you want to purchase your equipment. I guess. We 
want to use equipment that's rated for climbing. I mean, it's uh, it's more extreme than what we are using it for, but it gives us that extra added safety factor. So, sure. you know, it's intended for falls on um, on cliff faces and rock climbing, and we're, we're hopefully not going to have that extreme of a fall. But of course. that equipment needs to be rated for that kind of uh, use. We want to make sure that it's used properly. And we just don't get that rating from equipment that we buy from hardware stores. Okay. You want to make sure you're not purchasing it from there. Uh, we go over that stuff in our class and our coursework, uh, making sure that we're identifying where to purchase that. Cool. Uh, there's a couple of big name stores out there. Uh, REI is one that I use a lot because sure. we see those in a lot of the big cities throughout the United States. And it's easy to get your, your stuff in and out of there or if you had to order online. Sure. So you know, that's a great place and a great uh, source to buy that from. Now, as far as the type of equipment, um, you know, there is a lot of stuff out there, Tina. There is, you can see all kinds of stuff, and the dollar range and price range you want to spend can vary. And we try to, we try to introduce, a, you know, a very um, intermediate level of the equipment. What mm -hmm. are adjusters going to use mostly? And um, what's kind of the the not the, I don't want to say cheap range, but the more efficient range uh, financially to get into this. Yeah. Um, uh, some of the equipment that we're using, uh, you definitely are going to be needing is obviously a rope, some tubular webbing, carabiners. We've been teaching how to use a, a new tool out there. It's called a Gree Gree. It's a belay device, which has been kind of uh, something that has been set in the new standard in our industry and how we're getting on roofs. It really does make things a little easier. Cool. Uh, cinders, um, harnesses, mm -hmm. and a few other odds and ends things like a ridge protector and a rope bag. Yeah. And again, obviously, we kind of ran through that quickly, but I know any of you out there that are interested in following up, you're welcome to contact Jeff personally. He would be happy to provide you a list of the materials, some resources of where to find it. And I would guess, Jeff, you can probably give people some price ranges of don't go this low, but you don't need to go this high kind of thing. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, if you're going into a store that, that uh, specializes in rock climbing, um, that equipment is going to be sufficient. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, and um, it's going to be the only thing I would really worry about buying a cheap item would be your rope and your carabiners. You want to be yeah. careful on on that. You don't want to skimp on those two items. But absolutely, I am. I'm available for conversations here. Uh, I want to get you uh, on the right track, and I'd love to get you in the class and show you how to use it all. Well, heck yeah, Jeff. So let's talk a little bit about the claims handling process itself when you're using rope and harness as far as using it as a single adjuster or as part of a team. Can you explain that difference? Uh, yeah, so when we're doing um, single adjustment or using a team, um, it used to be we could only, our clients would only allow us to use a team, teamwork. Right. And um, a lot of our adjusters were using their their team member or their assistant as like an anchor if they didn't have anything to tie off to, um, things like that. But today's day and age, because of the need, we've got a high need for rope and harness adjusters and um, the, our clients are really wanting our adjusters to handle all the claims versus mm -hmm. turning them in for somebody else to handle. Yeah. So this need for rope and harness is growing, growing, and growing. So they've uh, 
allowed us to have adjusters work on their own. And the setup is basically, it's, it's identical. The only thing that you would change up is where you're anchoring your rope off to. Mm -hmm. um, you're either going to use an inanimate object or you're going to use uh, your assistant. So the setup and the use of the equipment, we teach it the exact same way, but uh, the anchor point would be the only thing that would um, change that around a little bit. Okay. So, I mean, give an idea, you know, we all understand the concept of the adjuster on the roof and a person on the ground. Um, how, how would you, what would you tie off to? I, um, could you give some guidance around that? There's all, that's a great question. You know, there's all kinds of stuff when we're out to, um, doing our inspections. I will tell you, uh, first and foremost, when we're out at a place, we want to make sure that it is, um, a secure item something mm -hmm. that is um, not going to give way or have the potential of giving way because, you know, our life is dangling on the other end of that rope. Right. So we want to make sure that we're uh, tying off to something that's uh, sufficient. Uh, I always tell people in our class, one, you know, something we do not tie off to, we do not tie to anything ever on the roof. Yes. I don't care um, if they're anchor points on roofs and you'll see eyelets that are built in there. And we have people that tie off to that stuff a lot. And even if you see other people doing it, does not make it a good idea. So kind of defeats never the purpose. Off onto anything on the roof. Yeah. Uh, I'm never real comfortable with what's going on up there. I've seen, I've seen trusses built. I've seen how things are put together at times, and sometimes they're a little sketchy. And I don't know that sure. I want to trust my wife on that. Yeah. So the next thing is, we always want to find something that's on the ground, and we're we're scoping and walking around the home trying to find an, uh, a place that we can tie up to. Trees are a great um, object, making sure that it's a live tree, not a dead tree. We don't want to tie off to rotted fence posts or fence yeah. posts. Those are not always the best thing to uh, tie off to. I don't feel real comfortable. Definitely not mailboxes. <laughs> um, we get people that laugh at that all the time, but we had somebody thought that was a good idea to tie to a mailbox and couldn't figure out, figure out why the rope kept uh, tearing off. So much so, slack, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely amazing what people are willing to tie off to to get up and do this job. But uh, the fact of the matter is we want to make sure that we're tying off onto something good. Uh, we don't always have trees. Uh, one thing that I always uh, have used in the past is my vehicle. Yeah. Tying it off to uh, my vehicle, you know, around my tire, underneath the axle, of course, and not mm -hmm. over the axle. Yeah. Um, there's also some um, clevises that you can buy for your hitches on your vehicles that you can tie your rope off to. Sure. Your tow hooks are a good anchor point, things like that. Yeah. But we go over stuff like that in our class and let people cool. know, you know, what's a good, safe place to tie up to and what is not. Excellent. Um, a lot of it is uh, common sense, Tina. We That's something you can't buy and you can't purchase out there, but you <laughs> need to have common sense when you're doing this job. Uh, yeah, thinking it through, it's for safety, so you need to start out first with a sturdy structure to tie off to. So, you know, part of why we're doing this podcast is to bring awareness to people around this skill set and also let them know that we get a lot of these work assignment requests throughout the year from various clients. So getting this training, it not only is good for safety purposes, you know, helps keep you safe out there on roofs, but it's going to make you more marketable as an adjuster as well. So a lot of what we're here today is to kind of 
give you some of the insights into what it is, what it isn't. A lot of folks are thinking, oh, I'm going to have to tie off on every roof or this and that. So we just kind of want to dispel some of the myths around that. Um, Jeff, do you have other thoughts that you'd like to chime in about? Yeah, you know, I think that's great. We've been talking about some great topics, and I think rope and harness is uh, is definitely a skill set that I think every adjuster should have um, that's interested in working out in the field. It's definitely more marketable. That's one thing working down here in the training facility. We get a lot of new people that come through here, and they're always asking us, how can I set myself apart? Well, this is definitely one way. Because Absolutely. You're right. You know, we're getting more and more deployments requesting, requiring rope and harness training, and uh, this is one way of doing it. The other thing, too, is, is, is helping yourself in longevity in this industry. You know, being safe and being smart is what's going to uh, keep you in this industry. And yeah. I always tell people, you know, if you're not working, you're not making money. And if you're not working because of an injury and you didn't take the time to be safe, well, you know, it, it, you it, sabotaged it, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so always, always working on being safe and being smart and uh, that rope and harness. You know, it's not about always having to be a, a steep and a two story roof. It's whatever you may need to get that roof done and get that inspection done in a safe manner. I always told people when I'm running claims, um, you know, we get these uh, assignments, these claims assigned to us. I get a little greedy, Tina. I'm not going to lie. I don't like giving my claims up and turning them over to somebody. Heck no. I want that money in my pocket. So yes. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do everything I can to get my inspections done. Well, and I, I think you touched on a good point there as far as productivity. Um, so is there any truth um, that it takes longer to do rope and harness inspections? Are people going to be, quote unquote, slowed down? You know, I know I've heard that in the past from certain people saying that it messes with their flow or they can't do as many claims. What's your experience around that? Um, it's definitely going to slow you down, but uh, how much it does slow you down, that, that's, a hard, that's a hard thing to uh, gauge because okay. there's so many different things that go into it, you know. Uh, how big is the house? Uh, how steep is the house? How high is the house? Sure. Um, you know, where are your anchor points? There's a lot of stuff. I mean, it's going to slow you down, but at the end of the day, it can't always be about productivity. I mean, I want to get my work done, Yeah. but I also want to be able to get my work done the next day and the next day and the next day. Absolutely. So if I have to rope and harness up every once in a while and it takes a little bit longer to do that, I'm willing to do that. Yeah. Um, but also, if you're if you're taking a rope and harness um, assignment, you're going to be paid on an hourly, and they're going to pay you more hourly for rope and harness assignments uh, because of that as sure. well. So, so the productivity I, isn't a huge I, issue in that point. Pardon me. So the productivity isn't really the greatest issue there. You're making an hourly rate, and it's subsidized at a higher level because you are doing extra work around the rope and harness. That's exactly right, and that's why they do pay that additional amount because cool. uh, it is all about being safe and getting those homes done. Well, all right, Jeff. I think that we've done a pretty good job of covering at least some of the basics of what rope and harness actually is, demystifying some of the information around what it isn't or, you know, what people might have heard that they're not good assignments or, you know, super dangerous. 
Um, I, I would like to put in there that I've talked to a number of people who never thought they'd get on a roof and then they go through rope and harness training, be it ours or somebody else's, gives them a whole new perspective. So, you know, if you're one of those people that is thinking, I could never, ever be a field adjuster because I won't get on a roof, I invite you to attend a class and maybe rethink that. It, you know, once you get some comfort level around it, it could be something that's a great fit for you. So I'd encourage people to have an open mind around it. That's exactly right, Tina. I always tell people, we, we always want you to be a little bit uncomfortable because when you're uncomfortable, you tend to pay attention more and you're yeah. more cautious and that's, uh, that helps you keep that safety factor up. For sure. So a little bit of uncomfortability uh, is not a bad thing. No, it keeps you on your toes. You know, you have that's to be right. conscious of your surroundings. So, well, all right. I think, Jeff, we will let you go for today. I know that you have lots of busy training things to do down there, but uh, once again, thank you for your time. And for everyone that's listening, please, please check out our training schedule and see if you can go and join Jeff in Dallas and uh, get some of this valuable training. Definitely. I look forward to meeting you and uh, come on down here, to Dallas, and uh, join us. All right, cool. Thanks, Jeff. Take care. Thank you, Tina. Mm, bye-bye.